This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Time Out. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong show. Uh, Players Only here, presented by Point Guard Advisors. I am Matt Slocum alongside Ryan Story. Ryan, we got ourselves a fantastic weekend coming up. It's a Section 3 football finals. Yes, we do. And let, let, let's let let's talk about... So what we're going to do is we're going to, throughout the course of the show, we're going to preview every single final that's coming up. So we got six finals coming up over the course of two days in the Dome, beginning this Friday in the Carrier Dome. <clears throat> and, and I can tell you this real quick, Ryan. I bet the players on every single team, all 12 teams that have, that are going to the Carrier Dome are going to be so thrilled to be in the Dome under a new roof with new lights, and it's going to be fun. What do you think? Yeah, they will they definitely have to be super hyped up to play in a area where so many legends have played before them, dating back to Jim Brown when he played at Syracuse. They are going to be in the same locker room that Syracuse uses. They've just got to be so excited for this, this these upcoming games. I, I, I bet throughout the whole week, doing all these practices leading up to these games, there, there, there's just going to be one thing on their mind is what once they step foot inside the Carrier Dome, they're going to be like, oh boy, this is it. This is the big time. And <clears throat> essentially they'll be playing for a chance to maybe play in that same building again with the state finals in less than a month from now. So, the you know, there's a lot at stake this weekend. Not just a sectional title, but a chance to compete at the state level. And it's what they hope for every single year. And it's the first time we've had sectionals and state championships together since the pandemic started. This is going to be quite fun. So let's start. Let's start with the Class AA bracket. And in the semis, we had... Uh, a great matchup between number one Cicero North Syracuse and number four Liverpool, and CNS just went out and shut out uh, the Warriors seventeen nothing. And then in the second semifinal, down at Corcoran, Baldwinsville, the three seed, upset Corcoran thirty five to twenty. So it's a one v three battle between these two teams, Cicero North Syracuse and Baldwinsville. The last time these two teams met was back in September. CNS had their way with them, beating Baldwinsville 40-7. to So let's talk about this game here a little bit. Um, it was a not a good result the last time these two teams met, especially if you're the Bees. So is this some sort of a revenge game here? Now you're meeting in the Carrier Dome in the Section 3 final, and, you know, is, is revenge on their minds, or are they just focusing on winning a sectional title if you're Baldwinsville? You definitely want to get back at CNS for beating them so badly. 40-7 to is just embarrassing for Beville. And and I, I don't think I could see them winning this game. CNS is an elite team. They, they have three aspects of their team that are really impressive to me. Their quarterback, Jackson Rasmovsky, one of the, arguably the best in Class AA. 
They've got a three-pronged rushing attack with Jamar Jamar Ballard, Jason Bartlett, and Farouk Ibrahim. Those guys are all elite running backs. And they also have a defense that can shut down any team. Like Liverpool is arguably the second-best team in Class AA, and CNS held them to zero points. And I think if Liverpool can't beat CNS, I don't think Baldwinsville can. I have to favor CNS pretty heavily in this game. Yeah, I go with you on that too. I mean, the sophomore Jackson Rasmovsky, a quarterback, fifty-six of eighty-five on the year, a thousand sixteen yards, nine touchdowns, and only two interceptions. I mean, that's really good numbers there for a quarterback. And then you mentioned the running game. That um, you, you mentioned all those players. Uh, Anthony Testa, forty-four carries, four hundred fifty-eight yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Jamar Ballard, fifty-seven carries, four hundred and two yards, six touchdowns. Jason Barlett, 72 carries, 439 yards, seven touchdowns. So, you know, you have a great, powerful running attack that CNS has, and and you got a quarterback in Resmovsky who's also known to run the football in a couple of times. 17 carries, 71 yards, and five touchdowns on his own. So that's going to be kind of hard for them to deal with. As for Baldwinsville, you look at, who you got in terms of standings here? Their quarterback, starting quarterback, Caden Cox, 46 out of 83, 737 yards, 10 touchdowns, three interceptions. So, and then on the running game, Amir Atkins, 54 carries, 216 yards, four touchdowns. And Samuel Mellinger, the senior, 134 carries, 981 yards, 10 touchdowns. Man, he's only 19 yards away from 1,000 on the year. That's impressive in of itself. So, Bowensville's a team that also likes to run the football. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Heading into this, CNS is clearly the favorite. And, you know, I I just hope that Beville actually puts up a good battle. I mean, and they've been known to score points. I mean, they scored 56 in their quarterfinal game against Rome Free Academy and then beat Corcoran by scoring 35. So... If you can hold CNS, I think the key is for Beville, if they're going to pull off the upset, you got to hold CNS down to less than 20 points, sort of like what Liverpool did on Friday against CNS, even though Liverpool did not score at all. Um, you got to hold them less than 20, otherwise you don't have a shot. Yeah, I mean, and I think the best chance Beville has is relying on Samuel Mellinger in the run game. He had a 78-yard touchdown last game versus Corcoran that really just put the nail in the coffin in that game. So if they would be able to establish that dominant run game that they can produce, uh, that's their only, only chance in winning this game. So let's shift gears now to the Class A championship. So we go farther down in population size. Class A. Uh, Indian River took care of business against West Genesee. I thought I thought that semifinal game would be a little bit closer, but it turned out not to be the case. Indian River took care of business, thirty to eight, and then CBA, your school, yeah, took care of business against number two Fayetteville Manlius, twenty two to twelve. So now they're going up against a red hot Indian River team, and I mean red hot. You look at what Indian River has done in this playoffs; they scored fifty eight in their quarterfinal against Auburn, and now 30 against West Genesee, a team who, like I said, I thought it would be a closer matchup. You look at the head-to-head between these two. They met back in early October, and Indian River won that game 51-30. to So heading into this, 
You know, CBA is five and three on the year. Indian River has not lost, even though they've only played six games total. That's including the playoffs. What do you think the brothers have to do to beat Indian River? You know, this really just comes down to coaching. In their last two matchups against Indian River, uh, it, the Warriors have scored over 50 both times. And Indian River's led by a fantastic QB, Rowan Marcel. He has over 1,000 rushing yards on the season and 14 touchdowns. So if they were able to effectively contain Indian River's strong rushing attack, which really makes Indian River's team, I think CBA would have a shot. We've seen how when these two teams played last, uh, they were the consensus number one and number two in Section A. And then, unfortunately, CBA lost three straight games, starting with that Indian River game. So they dropped down to the sixth seed, becoming an underdog in this playoffs. But now that they've established two straight wins in a row, beating Whitesboro and FM, uh, it looks like they are back to where they were earlier in the season, where they could definitely uh, pull off an upset here. Like, they showed amazing resilience last game when Jordan Ray, their quarterback, got hurt on the very first drive of the game, and CBI still managed to hold FM to only 12 points and win the game. So, led by their star receivers, I could definitely see uh, CBA winning this. So, it's, it's going to be a battle between CBA's passing offense versus Indian River's rushing offense. And Rowan Marcel, uh, the senior quarterback, and leading the team in rushing, I mean, normally you don't want your quarterback leading the team in rushing, but you look at what he's done. 110 carries, 1,077 yards, and 14 scores. I mean, that's impressive for for a quarterback of that of in the high school level to rush for over 1,000 as a quarterback. <clears throat> that's impressive in of itself. And then, as you said, looking at CBA and how they could counter, with the passing game. And Jordan Ray, the junior quarterback here, 66 for 123 yards, uh, uh, 66 for 66 out of 123, excuse me, 934 yards, 12 touchdowns, and only one interception thrown. That's impressive in of itself. And you look at the receiving numbers, uh, Sire Torrance, 31 catches, 317 yards, six touchdowns. And then you have Dan Anderson, eight catches, 167 yards, three touchdowns. This is going to be a fun one. It's a, it's a battle of two different, distinct offensive styles. Uh, CBA passing versus Indian River rushing. I don't know. This sort of balances it out. I think this one's going to be a lot closer than what people think. Yeah. And it, it should be a really good battle between these two programs. Uh, again, the uh, that game is set for this Friday, 8 o'clock, in the Dome. And, you know, again, that should be a really, really good one. So let's go to Class B here real quick before we take our first break. New Hartford, uh, number one seed there, beat number four, Institute Technology Central, 49-20. to 20. And get this in the second semifinal, number two homer scored 62 points. And VVS only scored 49, only scored 49. 62-49 was the final homer. So we got two really high-scoring teams battling each other out on Saturday at 3 o'clock in the Dome. Number one, New Hartford. Number two, Homer. You look at the combined points scored. That's 111 points scored between the two winning teams in the semifinal round. So let's look at this one here real quick. Last time these two teams met. <clears throat> um, oh, they don't have it, unfortunately. Um, 
So this might actually be the first time meeting both both teams unbeaten. Homer's eight and zero. New Hartford's nine and zero. So who do you think's got the edge here? This looks like two really high scoring offenses going at each other. So who do you think has got this? Based on the seeding, New Hartford is the favorite. But this entire season, I've been saying Homer is the best team in Class B, and I think they're both teams are great. They're undefeated. They haven't lost this season, but I would take. Homer, led by Jake Calabro, they they scored sixty two last game. They could put up those. They could put up high scoring games to outscore New Hartford, and they still have an elite defense that can shut down New Hartford's offense, led by Alex Culver. He has over seventeen hundred yards rushing and twenty two touchdowns. But I still think that they can stop uh, New Hartford's offense, and it would not surprise me if Homer easily came away with this victory. I don't even think this will be close. I think Homer wins in a blowout. The only loss that uh, New Hartford's going to get this season. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a different tact with you. I I think New Hartford's gonna win this one, but it's gonna be close. Like you said, high scoring affair. Both of these teams can put up points. As you said, Alex Culver is leading the rushing attack over 1,700 yards. Um, I, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him in the college game. But I want to look at the receiving here for New Hartford. Um, two players in particular: Gavin Williams, 13 catches, 217 yards, four touchdowns. And Luke Strasberger, 12 catches, 209 yards, and three touchdowns. And you look at the quarterback, you know, your starting quarterback, Dominic Ambrose, 21 out of 36, 350 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. <clears throat> if Ambrose gets hot throwing the football and he passes it to those two targets and those targets get open all the time, you know, Harford's going to win this one. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. That being said, though, <clears throat> with Homer scoring 62 points in their semifinal victory over VVS, this one's going to be a shootout. It's, it's going to be a fun shootout between these two teams. And they, whoever wins this one is definitely going to be a threat in the state tournament that starts the following week. So this, I think, is circle circle 3 o'clock in the Dome on Saturday. That's a game you want to keep an eye on because that should be a fun one. It's going to be a high-scoring shootout-type game. I, I, you know, I, you know if, I, if you were a betting man, the over-under would be like 60. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I, I'd go over-under 60 for that one. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a high-scoring game, but it would... If I had to predict this, I say Homer wins by over two scores. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, that uh, I, I I like where you're going with this. I I really do, but I think it's going to be closer. I I think it's probably going to be decided by by three points. I think somebody's going to kick a field goal. Yeah, to win this game. So we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we will have the head coach of the Christian Brothers Academy brothers. Casey Brown, he's set to join us here on Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors here on ESPN Radio, Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. And welcome back to Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors here on ESPN Radio, Syracuse 97.7. 
100.1. We are now joined by Casey Brown, the head coach of the Christian Brothers Academy. Brothers, welcome to the show, Coach. Thank you very much. How are you guys? I am doing great. Thanks. Uh, first off, congratulations on making it to the Class A football final this Friday, 8 o'clock, uh, in the Carrier Dome. And so how does it feel, you know, after we've had these pandemic years the last couple year, uh, the last year or so, how does it feel to actually finally get back inside the Carrier Dome and play for a sectional title? I'm so happy for these kids and these families in the CBA community. Uh, this is something that, you know, this seed was was planted uh, a couple years ago uh, with uh, you know, guys that played before us and, uh, you know, getting get these guys in the weight room and, and getting together. So this, this is not a tree that, uh, you know, just got planted. These, this has been planned in place for, for a couple of years, and uh, it's nice to see the fruits of their labor uh, finally come through. Come through. Yeah, and Coach, after your team lost three straight games in a row heading into the sectionals, uh, you the season kind of looked a little like bleak, but then you managed to pull off two straight victories in sectionals, beating Whitesboro and FM. What do you think is the cause for this turnaround? It was adversity. It was the leadership of the seniors, and um, you know, we didn't react well after you know, when we lost to Indian River the first time, and uh, but the first time we played FM, we saw light that, uh, you know, we were getting back at it. You know, we lost by five. Uh, we were behind, but we saw a glimmer of, okay, this is where we need to be. We didn't react, we didn't react well, uh, the game after when we played Western Tennessee, but that was really the wake up call, um, in terms of that. So, uh, we saw some, some positivity moving forward, even though there's a three games slide there. Uh, we did see some positive things and that's where we were just building on. So coach, uh, heading into the heading into this game, uh, you're going up against a, a really good uh, opponent here in the final in Indian River. Um, can you share with us a, a little bit of what's going what uh, what your planning is without di- divulging too much information, obviously? But what do you think is the game plan heading into this final on Friday? Well, first of all, offensively, we we have to developed rhythm. We can't uh, go into this game and go into each quarter uh, putting a zero on the board for ourselves. We can't do that. Number two, we got to limit the mistakes that we make. We don't want to give uh, Indian River extra yards um, moving forward. Uh, and we got we got to be able to use the clock wisely. On defense, we need to stop the run. We need to limit it. And they're tough. <laughs> they're tough up front. They do a great job down blocking and kicking out up front, and they've got some dynamic running backs uh, and the run game is very dynamic. It's, it's 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 simplistic, but it's dynamic in terms of you know where it's going, or you have an idea where it's going, and you can see where it's going, uh, but it's tough to get there. There's so many bodies that are involved. And the running backs do a great job reading whether they're going to run to the outside or the cutback. Um, a lot of respect for what those guys do. Uh, but we got to be able to get them off the field because they're going to chew up a clock and uh, literally you'll see a full quarter go before our offense is back out there. So we have to force them into long third downs. We've got to force them to throw the ball and um, you know get the ball back into our hands. Yeah, and going back to last week, you guys upset FM. What impressed you most about your team in this victory? The adversity. The adversity in terms of quarterback going down. Um, guys still believing in themselves, next man up, 
and you know the staff, the staff just staying on point, staying calm, staying relaxed, and uh, developing developing the game plan. You know, we had talked about one of the coaches talked about you know a Mike Tyson quote where everybody gets into a ring with a plan until you get punched in the face, and uh, then that plan goes out the door. And uh, we got punched in the face, and when uh, Jordan. Uh, went down for a little bit there. So, you know, we had to, okay, that plan's out the door. What's our next plan here? So just the adversity and, and the positivity and the kids staying together and believing in themselves um, really put the, the, the W on our side. So speaking of Jordan, your star quarterback, Jordan Ray, 66 out of 123, 934 yards, 12 touchdowns, and only one interception thrown. He has one more year left at high school. Uh, do you expect him? Do you ex- well? First of all, do you expect him to play Friday? And second of all, uh, is he is he capable going up against an Indian River team that on defense has looked pretty astounding throughout the whole year, going unbeaten, even though they played six games? No, defensively they did a really really good job. Um, you know, he's thrown for thirteen hundred yards so far this year, and I think five or six games. You know, he has a 53% passing percentage, 14 touchdowns. Uh, we'll see We'll see where his ankle goes right now. Yeah, we'll see where he is right now in terms of everything. Um, you know, he's rehabbing it right now. He's moving around. So, you know, we're, we're going to take it day by day and, and go from there. He, I mean, he was able to get into the game uh, on Friday, and, uh, you know, we taped it up. So, I mean, he... he he can walk on it, so it's not not anything where we, we it's devastating. But you know, we had the game plan going with Danny, and um, until until they stopped number three, we weren't going to take him out. So Jordan saw some time in the second half. Uh, we just wanted to be careful with it, and uh, they weren't stopping three on Friday. So uh, you know, why take him out? Yeah, and are there any players this season that have shown great improvement over the course of the season, or like really exceeded your expectations? I don't know about excuse me. I don't know about exceed. I mean, first of all, I think they've all exceeded um, the expectations, which I think is fantastic. Um, but you know, Alex Smith is on defense um, one of our top leaders and continues to impress all of us and our, our opponents every single week. Justin uh, Corfanta, middle linebacker, tough, tough individual. It, you know, puts the time, the effort, and the desire in it. There's nobody with a bigger heart and wants it more. Uh, than those two guys right there, and then on the offensive side, the offensive lines really come together. You know, you, you you can't you can't move forward without that those those five guys working together, and um, you know they they're pushed they're pushed daily. Um, it's a, it's a grind. They're on video. They, you know, they communicate with each other uh, in practice and in days off. And today they're going to have you know they'll be together uh, via virtual meetings, and and uh, they love breaking down film and wanting to get better. So. Uh, you, you know, Jamari Hanford, is, in terms of the running back spot, he has really grown in terms of his vision, his strength, and his speed. Um, I mean, his vision for a sophomore is unbelievable. So, again, you have some really, really young guys that are doing a, a fantastic job, and I'm so proud of them. And then, of course, you got you know your wide receivers. I mean, you've got uh, Sayer Torrance, you know, big-time guy, understands now he's getting doubled. Uh, now has to kind of learn how to play that game when he's got extra guys on him in terms of the routes over the top, underneath. You know, Amari Pitts plays big offensively and defensively. And then, you know, James Bell. I mean, all of a sudden, boom, where's James Bell coming from? He's pulling off these 57 and, you know, 
six yard receiving uh, catches, and uh, and then of course you had Ben Anderson, you know, the Division One lacrosse player slash point guard decided to come out this year. So now he hasn't played football since eighth grade, and bam, uh, you know he, he, he ran for 154 yards on Friday night. Um, and again, just amazing group of people. I'm so proud of all these guys. And I'm sure you are, Coach. Uh, we'll let you go on on this one as CBA uh, gets set to take on number one Indian River on Friday night in the Carrier Dome for the Section Three Class A football title and a chance to compete in the state tournament, which begins the following week and concludes with the state football finals in the first weekend of December. Uh, Coach Brown, thank you so much for joining the show today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. All right, take care, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Bye. Bye. We'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk with another CBA player, Porter Matt, the JV quarterback. Uh, So you don't want to miss that. More players only when we come back. Presented by Point Guard Advisors here on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. And welcome back to Point Guard Advisors here on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1 FM. And once again, we are joined by Porter Matt, the J, uh, JV quarterback for uh, Christian Brothers Academy. Welcome to the show, Porter. Hi, thanks for having me. So, Porter, let's let's start by, you know, again, congratulations on the varsity team making it to the Section 3 final. I hear that the JV team also, uh, they went unbeaten in their season as well. So... I I honestly know that the JV team doesn't compete for a, a Section Three title, but do you, do you feel like your team really should be playing in some sort of playoff format? Uh, yeah, I do. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think it would make the season mean a lot for all of the players involved, not just on CBA, but on every single team in the section. And I think that everybody would have a little bit more to play for. And also, I think it'd be a lot of fun because. I think our team definitely would have had a very, very good chance to win the sections and move on if that if that was a thing. But, yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun to have kind of like a playoff for the JVs. Yeah, and you started as the JV quarterback both this season as a sophomore and last year as a freshman. How do you think you improved from last year to this year? Uh, I think I improved in a lot of ways. I think things like I think my arm strength got a lot better. You know, I'm a little bit bigger. I'm taller. I also think that I'm a little bit more comfortable in our system because, like, our coach, my coach, has always given us a lot of freedom kind of to do whatever we want almost, you know, to change the play at the line whenever. And I think I've gotten a lot more comfortable in that sense. And I also think that, you know, the team has just allowed, like, the whole offense to kind of open up. You know, our running back is amazing. You can just hand him the ball and he does – he can take it, you know, 70 yards for a touchdown, and that always makes you look good. So, Porter – um, obviously, I think you're going to be making the transition up to the varsity level uh, starting next year. Do you think, with all the stuff that you learned in the last two years playing JV football, what are some of the skills that you think will make you a better quarterback once you jump up to the varsity level? Um, I think I'm like a I I like to think of myself as like a smarter quarterback. Like I think I have a very good. I think I can read the defense pretty well, and I'd love to you know maybe become a very accurate quarterback once I get up to the varsity level, which will allow me to have success at that level. 
Yeah, and last season, your team played against Indian River in a last-second scheduling, and you guys lost. It wasn't really that close. This year, you led your team to a dominant victory against the Iads to do JV. What changed in the two games? Um, I think our team got a little bit better, a little bit older. Last year, almost our entire team was ninth graders. We were all first-year players, whereas this year we returned almost everybody, and everybody got a little more experience. Everybody improved, and that really helped us to overcome that. I also think last year we got we started off slow. You know, we didn't. I don't think we didn't score a point in the first half. We were facing a deficit just immediately, and we couldn't stop their offense. Whereas this year, we went out, we scored three quick touchdowns in the first quarter, got up to a lead, and just were able to hold that for the rest of the game. And once we got that going, our confidence was just up, and we weren't going to lose that game. So speaking of places uh, to go to, uh, what's your favorite field to play on, other than your home field, other, other than the home field at CBA? Where's the best place to play football in Section 3, in your opinion? I think, I mean, obviously I think this week we're going to find out that it's the Dome. But aside from the Dome, I think I'm going to have to say Auburn. Auburn is a really nice field. The turf is amazing. And the stadium's actually really, really cool. It's like it's surrounded by all the seats and it's like in a little lowered thing. And the turf is really, it's very nice. Yeah, and what are some goals that you have for your time at Christian Brothers Academy? Like for junior year, senior year, what are some goals? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to become the starter at CBA eventually once, you know, Jordan has graduated and he's off to college. And also, I'd love to, you know, keep myself academically doing well. Also, like, I'd love to make it to an Ivy League school and just do my best that I can on athletically and academically. So that so that being said, again, um, are you going to be traveling with the varsity to the Dome on Friday? Yes, I will. This okay. will be a lot of fun. So that being said, as soon as you step out onto that field in the Carrier Dome, what's your first thought going to be? I think I'm just going to realize, wow, I mean, this is really cool. I've been going to football games and basketball games with my dad since I was young, and now I'm playing on that field along with all of my teammates, and I think it's going to be a really, really cool experience. Yeah, and... I've heard that at CBA, you've been an extremely good golfer. You even made the golf team last year when football was delayed because of COVID. Was it a difficult decision to choose football over golf? No, not. I mean, I just, not at all. I've loved football since I was in first grade, and I've always have, I've never stopped loving the game. I love golf. Golf is a great sport, but football, I mean, I only have so many more years left, whereas golf, I can play the rest of my life and still be happy with it, and football is just... I love the team aspect of it, and it really gets you excited to keep playing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna close out this segment here with a couple of quick fire questions. So, um, so first, uh, first quick fire question here: um, favorite football team? Buffalo Bills. <laughs> there you go, Bills Mafia all the way. Had to get that out of the way. Um, favorite sport other than football? Golf. Nice. Uh, any particular golfer you're a fan of? Yeah, I like um, Jordan Spieth. He's just fun to watch. Nice. So I was I was a Tiger Woods fan yeah. growing up myself. So I think everybody is. Uh, bit, Jor- Jordan yeah. Spieth was actually um, another one of my favorite players. I also like Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Um, very good golfers in in around that sport. Uh, favorite subject in school? Uh, Spanish. It's I don't know. It's Spanish. Wow. Spanish. Yeah. Foreign language. I like that. That that's that's awesome. I took German when I was in high school. Yeah. So, 
Um, it's it's always fun to learn another language, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, favorite after school activity outside of sports? Well, my friend Ryan and I here we're in um, we have a marketing club at CBA. It's called BNN. Like we make like a little like news thing every month, and that's a lot of fun to do with my friends. Nice. So it's always nice to you know to, to look at somebody's activities outside of sports as well. So that's 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 pretty good in marketing. Um, so you said uh, you plan on going into you want to go into an Ivy League school uh, for college. Uh, what do you plan on studying there as a major, or, or are you still un, undecided? You know, I'm undecided, but I've thought about some things. Not too much. I mean, I'd love to kind of come into, like, this sort of world with, like, you know, the, um, sports broadcasting and stuff like that. And so something like that would be a lot of fun, I think. That's nice. We got an up-and-coming broadcaster here on the show. I love it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, favorite pregame meal? If you have one. You know, with the JV, a lot of time we play early Saturday morning, so I don't eat a lot. A lot of times it'd just be like maybe a piece of turkey bacon or something. But, I mean, now that we play on Fridays, I think just like a, a sub is a good pregame meal. There you go. Uh, what do you put on the sub? Um, I like uh, turkey, cheese, and lettuce. Just, just keep it simple. No, no like uh, mayonnaise or anything no, like that? No, no. just no? Okay, like that. Uh, and last but uh, certainly not least, um, you said that uh, you've been to Syracuse games as a kid. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite Syracuse player of all time? They ask this on every single pregame for Syracuse football, and now I'm asking it to you. Favorite Syracuse player of all time? Without a doubt, Eric Dungey. Without a doubt, yeah. Eric Dungy. You know he was he was doing the the pregame rounds, uh, in the last uh, last home game. So, did you ever get a chance to meet Dungy? I did not. Oh, I I haven't either. <laughs> so, um, have you met? Okay, that being said, have you met any other Syracuse former Syracuse players in person? I don't think so. No, I mean I've no? met. Coach Beheim once in person, but oh, how was that? It's fun. It's nice. Nice. Shout out to Coach Beheim. There, as the basketball season gets underway, I believe this Tuesday. So there you go. There. So that'll do it uh, for at least for this segment. Porter, thank you so much for joining on the show. It was a blast. Uh, good luck again this Friday as you compete in the Section Three Class A football final in the Dome against Indian River. Thanks for having me, and it's a lot of fun. All right. We'll take one more time out. When we come back, we will wrap up the show by previewing the other three Section 3 football finals, which would be Classes C and D, and then the eight-man final. You don't really want to miss that. So we'll be right back. We'll wrap up Players Only here, presented by Point Guard Advisors on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7 and 100.1. This is Players Only, a show about high school sports from high school students. Presented by Point Guard Advisors. Find them at pointguardadvisors.com. Welcome back to Players Only here on ESPN Radio Syracuse 97.7, 100.1 FM. Uh, you can also listen to us via podcast uh, on wherever you get your podcast or at ESPNSyracuse.com. Uh, and so, Ryan, we're, we're getting close to the tail end of the show. We got three more 
uh, finals to go through. We'll first start off with Class C. And uh, remember two weeks ago we were talking about... Um, actually, no, it was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it was last week. We were talking about how Skating Atlas is, suffered a little bit of a scare in the quarterfinal round, beating Canastota 28-26. to Well, they took care of business in the semifinal round this time around. They beat Casanova 30-16 to this past Saturday, so only yesterday. And then General Brown, the two-seed, they had themselves a scare after comf- comfortably getting by uh, Southern Hills. They had a battle with Bishop London and won 14-7. So heading into this Class C game, Class C final, which is set for uh, 12 noon in the Dome on Saturday, November 13th, who do you think's got an edge in this one? The, the last time these two teams played was back in 2019. Two years ago, General Brown with the win, 56-49. Both teams are unbeaten. General Brown's 9-0, Skane Alice 8-0. Who do you think's got an edge in this one? Well, yeah, as you mentioned, both teams are undefeated. They are both teams that really just on a nightly basis win and win by a lot. So... I think the edge that Skinny Atlas has in this game is that that while General Brown is really a run-heavy, one-dimensional team, Skinny Atlas can run and pass. Uh, Skinny Atlas has James Musso as at the quarterback and dual threat RB Grayson Brunel as their running back. So it would not surprise me if Skinny Atlas won this game by a decent amount. They also have uh, Cody Nesbitt at receiver, and he's had a fantastic season. And General Brown really just is a run the ball. They just put the rock into the ground, and just run the ball. And, like, even their quarterback has three times as many rushing yards as he does passing yards. That is insane. So I would have to give Skinny Atlas the edge here because of their edge in the passing game. But it wouldn't surprise me if uh, General Brown managed to keep this low scoring and maybe even sneak in the upset. Unfortunately, I'm not going to predict that, though, because Skinny Atlas is probably the better team. Well, that being said... um, the Skinny Atlas Lakers have been, you know, they've proven themselves throughout the course of the year as a very, very good team. And as, you know, as you so stated, you look at their their stats on the year, you look at their starting quarterback, James Musso, 84 out of 136, 1,743 yards, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions. Uh, plus, when he's running the ball, 27 carries, 303 yards, and six scores. This is this is a team that, as you said, is based off the dual threat. They're a balanced offense, uh, with Muso at quarterback and also running the ball. Grayson Brunel, 133 carries, over a thousand yards, and 14 scores. This this is a team that uh, General Brown's going to have their hands full, uh, no doubt in my mind. With those two uh, players there at quarter uh, at quarterback and running back, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, to deal with. But as you said, looking at what General Brown has done, as you said, running, you know, putting the putting the rock in the ground and, ju- and the just running with the football, they got players to do it. Gabe Malcolm, 68 carries, 637 yards. Elijah Raleigh, 97 carries, 774 yards. This is a team that, you know, th- they could, as you said, they could play really good defense, keep it low scoring, and sneak in a win. I'm sorry, though. I think Skating Atlas has just got way too much talent. And I think they're going to win this one, not comfortably at first, 
It's going to be a struggle at first, but I think once you get to the fourth quarter, they'll be comfortably up by two scores, and and they'll just start running away with it. But that's just me. I don't know. You know, as as John Sterling would say, you can't predict baseball. I'm not going to predict high school football. So you never know. Yeah, if I had to make a prediction, I'd say it's a single digit, like a single score game. Maybe not single score, but definitely single digit when it comes to how much Guinea Atlas wins by. It's not going to be by 10 points. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Class D now, and it's going to be a matchup. The, the the Class D playoffs is one that, you know, I said um, keep an eye on, and we got ourselves set up for a big explosive final for the for the second game on Friday, 5 o'clock, right around 5 o'clock in the Dome. Number one, Dolgeville against number two, Adirondack. Dolgeville took care of business against Cato Meridian, winning 34-6. to Adirondack over Sandy Creek, 36-6. You know, give credit to Sandy Creek. They had a great run through the tournament. So, with that being said now, it's the top two in Class D. And you look <laughs> at these two teams. Both teams, 9-0 and on the year. The last time these two teams, uh, well, they didn't play each other. But... You look at this team, you look at both of these teams, and you think another high-scoring shootout on Friday. Is that what's going to be the case? Uh, You'd have to assume so. Uh, Another matchup of, I believe it's our third matchup of teams where both teams are undefeated. And you look at Dolgeville, I think you got to say Dolgeville is the favorite, led by senior quarterback Gregory Gonea Jr., it just looks like they have the better football team. Their closest game this season was an 18-point win. Like, when you have a team that, that's that dominant against every single team that they play against, it's, it would be tough to see them lose. And they have two great running backs in Jared Belinsky and Connor Morse. Both those guys, fantastic runners. But they can also uh, you they can also be used in the passing game, and that really gives Dolgeville the ability to both run and do those little short passes to the running backs and let them get in open space and really just cook opposing teams' defenses. This is going to be a fun one. Um, we talked about Dolgeville a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more about what Adirondack brings to the table. And you look at what Adirondack has done this year. Brett Sanford, their junior quarterback, 70 out of 117, uh, 70 completions, 117 attempts, 1,231 yards, two scores, two interceptions. Um, pretty balanced in, in terms of throwing the football. Um, and, and you look at the receivers that he's targeted. Chris Tavener, 18 catches, 354 yards, only one score. Um, but, again, if, you, if, if that combo right there, if uh, Sanford and Tavener get on the same page, this is going to be a team that's really tough to stop. A lot of their offense is based on the running game, Ray Hennessy, 110 carries, 858 yards, seven scores on the year. Brett Sanford, also uh, running the football, 98 carries, 660 yards, seven scores. This is a team that can be based on the run, but I expect them to throw the football a little bit more. Um, You know, the guy, you know, Sanford is thrown for over 1,000 yards, and there's a reason for it. You know, he's got receivers that he could throw to. He may not throw a lot of passing touchdowns, but this is a guy you want to keep an eye on. And if I'm Dolgeville, you have to contain Sanford. You can't let him escape out of the pocket, otherwise he's going to beat you with his legs. And when you try to contain him in the pocket, you have to disguise your coverages, otherwise he's going to throw to the wide-open man. In this case, it's probably either going to be Tavener 
or it's going to be Creedon Rogers, the senior, or even Bailey Gleesman, a sophomore. This is a team, Adirondack is a threat. There is no doubt in my mind that Adirondack is going to pose a huge threat to Dodgeville. I expect another high-scoring game. It's going to be close. This is going to, this is going to be a great weekend. <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you that right now with all the matchups we got. This is going to be a great weekend. And finally, let's talk real quick about eight men. Uh, the eight-man final set between Morrisville, Eaton, and West Canada Valley. West Canada Valley, we talked about they scored 96 points in their first-round game. Hello. Or 94 points, I should say. Heading into these into this matchup, who do you think's got an edge real quick, and who do you think wins this one? Morrisville-Eaton is the favorite. I'll take West Canada Valley. Uh, Morrisville-Eaton was West Canada Valley's only loss. They beat them by 20, and it was the closest game of the season for uh, Morrisville-Eaton. But Braden Shepardson, their quarterback, uh, West Canada Valley's quarterback, excuse me, uh, he has over 900 yards passing and 800 yards rushing, 27 total touchdowns on the year. So I'd have to say I'll take West Canada Valley in an upset victory. I, I like that too. Uh, this is going to be, you know, eight man is uh, you play on a shorter field. There's only seven, you know, eight guys on the field total, three down linemen, a quarterback, a bunch of receivers. They don't really run the ball a ton. It's mostly through the air. I expect this to be a high-scoring affair uh, between these two schools. Uh, I expect the over/under probably to be somewhere between eighty and eighty-five. It wouldn't sh- surprise me at all. Um, that being said, I kind of like West Canada Valley in this one as well. I, I th- they got a lot of good things coming for them, and uh, this is this is going to be fun. And uh, you know that we got to this point, you know. Playing for a sectional title, obviously the eight man they don't play for a chance to go to a state tournament, which is unfortunate. Um, but I I expect a lot of good things. This this is going to be a great weekend, November twelfth and thirteenth. It all starts at two o'clock on Friday with the eight man championship, and then it concludes on Saturday with the double A final on uh, on Saturday on the 13th. So if you have a chance, get out to the Dome, watch some really good football. This is going to be fun. Well, that'll be it for players only this weekend. For our guest today, Casey Brown, the CBA head coach, and for Porter Matt, uh, JV quarterback at CBA, for my co-host Ryan Story, I'm Matt Slocum, wishing you a very pleasant good rest of your Sunday. Uh, we'll talk again next week when the state championships get underway for fall sports as well. So, again, you've been listening to Players Only, presented by Point Guard Advisors here on ESPN Radio Syracuse, 97.7 FM and 100.1 FM. Have a good day, everybody.